He's the data guy and he wants to have a talk with his business pals while they're off the clock on podcast like a business. Hello and welcome. Thank you today for joining us to Podcast Lab. Today we have the pleasure of having with us Aaron O'Leary. Aaron, your current position, correct me if I'm wrong, is CIO at Chanel Group, and we'll let you... That's correct. Yes. Perfect. We'll let you dig more into what you're doing there. But I mean, I appreciate you just taking the time to sit and talk to us today. I know the majority of what we try to do on this podcast is Ryan came to me a while ago while he was helping build my website and said, Rob, what you're doing isn't really that complicated. How'd you get a job doing data? And I said, you know, it really isn't. You just got to kind of learn the back side of data and how to process these different weird processes. Um, these different requests from people. And so what's neat is people in your position who have like chief level positions don't generally deal with people like Ryan who actually go and build the websites. So I want to try to start connecting people who are in these different positions because I know you and I have talked before and I always see your posts on LinkedIn looking for different people for different positions. The growth you've gone through at the different companies you've been at has been impressive and it just keeps me going. Um, but yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to bring you on today is to help bridge that gap and kind of send the elevator down for people like Ryan, who may have some sort of background in technical things and want to get into the world of IT. What is that like in the world of corporate America? And what has that journey been for you? The first thing I, I think is important to point out is the entire leadership team, like the executive team at Janelle Group, were really invested in growing all of our staff, creating that growing culture, learning culture and also rolling up our own sleeves and getting involved and not just going and asking for something, but engaging with all the staff and learning together as we go. And particularly in this industry in the logistics space, you know, we're a logistics service provider. We do imports and exports of um, freight project cargo. And we deal with uh, customs and border, uh, border patrol and we do, you know, customs brokerage for customers as well. So really at the core of everything is data for us. So I've been doing this for 11 years now, a little over 11 years. And since day one, I mean, I came in and I was basically a super user was my first position. And I I learned the database that they were using. And it's just kind of, you know, evolved from there. So for me, it's really important um, to make sure, you know, like you guys are talking about, send the elevator down, engage others. Um, bring in staff and help them learn and grow as well. And I mean, yeah, data is at the foundation of everything and uh, continues to be so. And, you know, with the pandemic and all the supply chain crisis and everything else, it's been a big opportunity to show how important data is over the last several years, particularly in the logistics and transportation industry. And so I've been able to leverage that to really drive home how we're inputting data here, uh, what we're using it for, what we're using it internally for, externally, um, and then making sure there's a standard for that too. Because we talk about data, but it's only as good as what you put in there and how consistent we are with it at the same time. I love that clarification. We, uh, We talk about that a lot. And the job that I'm in right now is like, without good data, you have no data at all. 
Right. And so making sure, you know, like uh, time clocks are logged, work is logged so that you know exactly what's being billed, all of that. The better that data is, the easier it is to do things like job costing and, you know, whatever other analysis you're doing on that data. So it sounds like, or, and I guess it doesn't sound like you told me that you're literally working with data all the time. I mean, you started as learning about the database so that you knew the structure of the data. Was there a point either during this position or previously in your life where it kind of clicked that everything is data-driven? Yeah. So the first freight forwarder that I worked for back in 2011, um, they went, this is where I became a super user of their platform. It was a logistics um, ERP, essentially the same one that we use today at the, at Janelle group. Um, you know, we were implementing this uh, system at all of the branch offices for that forwarder. And you start seeing people keying in data and generating documentation and reports. Well, why are all these fields blank? Well, you got to put it in there. Or you have to have a feed from somewhere to get that data. And at that point, there was not a ton of integration options with our partners, which are, you know, like our vendors and our overseas partners to um, electronically receive, like, say, like um, shipment status updates, like you would from UPS or anywhere else. And so at this point, there was a lot of manual keying in of that data, but it's not going to come through if you don't have it in there. So that goes to that whole crap in, crap out situation as well, or none at all. Um, so from that point, and that's been, you know, since that day one, I've seen that and everything just kind of goes from there. That's, that's at the core. And that's going to be, I'm sure any industry, but especially this industry is, uh, it, you need to put it in there or integrate it or receive that feed from somewhere else. Um, and that's what we need for our customers too. So, yeah. My God, I love that you said, that. I didn't know that was your background that you were the analyst turned uh, CIO. I resonate with that real well because it, you know, I got a job where I was inputting data, keying it in. And then I just made a macro that did 90% of it. Cause I realized yeah. if the first three were this, the last 12 were always the same. I was like, I don't need to type all 15 of this. I'm not a moron. So I wrote a macro that did it and I turned in my homework, you know, turned in the work for the day. And they're like, that was supposed to be for this week. What are you going to yeah. do now? And I said, I don't know, but so everybody's complaining. They got so much work to do. What else you got? And so I, I did the same kind of thing where I just started, you know, beating up Excel, building macros. Then I got into SQL and it, it's like a bug. Once you start digging in, you just get deeper and deeper into the database world, right? Like, because everybody uses it, you know, that every part of the business needs to eventually write it to a database to make sure that it happened. Like, or get it out to prove that it happened the previous month. And then from the leadership level, you cannot work on any KPIs of any sort unless you have some accurate data. I mean, you have no idea how the business is really doing. So it's been, it's important from the level of the people that are, you know, working with our, with our accounts, keying in that data to all the way up. So, you know, and everybody's referring to the same data. So it's really been creating those consistencies. We found too, we um, we've grown the business through several acquisitions. So we've acquired smaller freight forwarders and customs brokers, uh -huh. even though, even though, you know, and this is over the last like seven years of Janelle group. And so even if that company was on the same platform, the same system that we're using, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are using the system the same way. So you know, really working to create those standards. Uh, we acquired one company where we found they're not even using the database. They're, <laughs> you know, just over um, 
override everything and then they're keying in for their documents. And so they're literally just typing up a new document each time instead of using what the database is designed for. Oh, oh my gosh. So a lot of training and coaching with that too. But, um, you know, we're making a lot of progress. Because a lot of people don't have like either you've been in a big database world or you don't. Like when I started working with Ryan, he didn't even really use Excel much, you know, so I'm teaching him the basics of Excel. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to probably have to just do a course that's the basics of Excel. Just not that there aren't enough out there. I just want to have one branded and make sure I give my TLDR spin to it. Right. Make sure I teach them the stuff they actually care about and not just where all the menu items are. But it is an important tool. And I say you need to, as an analyst, I think they should all have some sort of spreadsheet tool and some sort of data visualization tool. You should be able to express that in some way to other people. You can't just go and like, there's people who their entire job is digging in the data, but I think it's also behooves a person to learn to speak well in front of others about the data and kind of share those discoveries too. Do you have any of those uh, experiences? Like what's one of those aha moments when you saw data that was like, wow, now I can make a better decision because I trust this or I know I can drive this KPI because I know I can trust the data that's underneath it. Yeah. So, I mean, a big thing, and this is particular to our industry is over the last couple of years, especially with the pandemic, um, you know, our customers are looking to see statuses on their freight. Where is it? Is it on the water? Has it come in yet? And you heard all the stuff about like Walmart and everywhere else where, you know, the shelves are empty and when are we going to get this stuff? And that goes down to the companies that are putting the products on those shelves too. And so as that was all going on, um, we were implementing a new uh, web interface for our customers so that they had more shipment tracking visibility. Well, you know, most people probably don't think that's all sitting on top of that data and it's got to come from somewhere. Yes. A, piece, a piece of that is, you know, internally what our team is inputting into our system. Um, and then another piece of that comes from integrations we have, like with ocean steamship lines, um, uh, airlines and all that to put in, you know, your uh, estimated dates for everything. Um, so it's really a combination. So for us, it's been a big deal, but also an opportunity. It, it allowed us to see some of our like uh, shortcomings where we were missing putting in data <laughs> yes, because totally. it's going to be reflective, um, but also an opportunity to say, hey, this is exactly what we need to get in here um, to make it at work for the customer. And then it also helps us internally again on reporting and everything else. So that's been a big one for us. And that's, that's common in the logistics that. industry, but that's one of the newest things over the last couple of years is you can put this platform or this web interface out there, but you know, if you've got blank fields, your customer is not going to be happy about that. And then they wonder, is this whole system just a garbage? Because maybe some right. report fields not right, or maybe you're not requiring something someplace. Now they think the entire business must be a sham because, you know, <laughs> obviously, oh my God, I love that you're dealing with that too. Yeah. Logistics. That makes sense though. Cause what can you do? You can't make things go faster. There's no lever no. you can pull that turns ships to get in faster, but you can be more visible and you could take yeah. that data that you're already kind of using, wanting to clean up and get better and say, you know what customers, this is the best we got. And I'm telling you what I know, which is a very transparent move. I give you, I applaud you for that. Like that's cool to do, but I've done that before, you know, at other companies too. And as soon as they see the live data, they're like, wait a minute, what about this mistake or that mistake? And it's like, I'll find it out, but I don't know. And that's the best you can do as a partner, right? As a logistics partner, I assume they just want to know the status. That's all you can do. Very cool. Sometimes it's just reassuring them. Like it's literally still on the water. It's been two weeks. It's still there, but just 
being able to like ha have the web interface as a as a reference, and then the staff being able to check our system too, and saying, you know, this is this is where we're at. But it's been big for us, and it really goes back to that whole standard thing too, right? Creating those standards for the data and how important it is because if you've got one account that maybe three of our offices are handling, if they're all working the account differently and using different fields and everything else, and that's all getting dumped into SQL and the output's going to be different. So we need to make sure that we are, you know, across oh. the board doing the same thing. And I mean, it was funny you say that the outcome is going to be different. They don't, people may not necessarily know they're going to come to the same meeting with the same data thinking they're right, but boy, it, it could just be yeah. completely incorrect and driving you in the wrong direction. And you think you're safe. Yeah, I did a lot of acquisition work too, where we took 20 different companies and put them into one call center. And they're like, all I need you to do, Rob, is give me one report. And I've learned whenever somebody starts with all I need you to do, that it's going to take not that easy. months longer than they're <laughs> expecting. But I love that you had to do the integration stuff too and found the same thing that even though you're using the same system, they're like, nah, I don't want to use the field that way. I'm going to go ahead and use it this way. And I'm sure your boss right. is just like, go ahead and integrate that, Aaron. How long is it going to take? You know? Yeah. But if you don't do it right, every other report down the line kind of gets level set. Yeah. And then you get into like custom fields too. And do you really need custom fields for the additional data? You know, is there really not something in the existing like hundred fields that's going to work for you? That's always one that, that gets my team is like, let's uh, try to do it with what we already have because then you're reworking reports and rewriting everything else. And, you know, yeah. Hell yeah. Because somebody did it that way before, and that's what we did in the old system. And yep. so I need that field to have this there, even though it's captured in four other fields, even more detailed than that one way they used to write it. Yeah, I totally get you, man. I love that and you're seeing that too. <laughs> that's definitely not just logistics. I'm sure that's across the board. Yeah. Because when do you get back to update those systems and make those business changes? Since you put it in front of your customers like that, all of a sudden it prioritizes you know, the weaknesses in the system that say, hey, we need to just fix this and it'll go away forever. That's cool how you handle that. So let's talk about the flip side to that then. We talked about a little bit of like a time where data gave you an aha moment. Has there ever been a time where data has burned you? I think since coming to Janelle Group and this is similar at all the other companies I've been at, um, you know, there's, you know, who should have access to what in your system and where do you go with that and, you know, what they're inputting and everything else. And so I think that we've been doing our best to do a lot of cleanup. And I'm sure this is a similar theme for not just logistics, but everywhere else where, you know, you come into whatever role it is and you see all the data that's been put in, whether it's like customer records or vendor records or whatever it may be. And there's duplicates, triplicates, all this, just a total mess. And so I don't know if that's one that that's burnt me or maybe I've felt the burn each time I've been at a new um, a logistics company, but it, the, the cleanup process with that, because then if you have five records for American Airlines and they're moving freight for you, which one's the main source of truth? Now you're doing cleanup on it. And so now you're being burnt and your whole operations team is being burnt because now you've got some inaccurate data there. So, so that's, that's <laughs> a common one with us where we go through and do some cleanup. And that's because the, you know, the system was kind of left wide open for many years for people to put in whatever they want instead of, you know, designated people are responsible or maybe some type of approval process for, for key records like that. So that's, that's uh, one that's like an ongoing 
slow burn, but you, you deal with for a long period of time. Learn to lock down those permissions pretty well, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, I definitely, I, I feel that. Uh, like I said, working for a smaller company and we we ended up rebuilding. One of the first projects I did was rebuilding his ticketing system. And the amount of data that was in there that was basically nonsensical in terms of like structure and and quality of content was, it was astounding. And it's still in there at this point. It's just been marked as legacy data because we built the system off of it. But I can just imagine, especially like you you said, your company has been acquiring other companies. I'm sure merging those databases together yep. is the same yep. way. Yeah. So anytime we've acquired a company, obviously you have to capture some key data and we import whatever we can. We're, we've been better, though, the last few acquisitions with what we're going to allow to actually import into our main platform. So, it's, you know, instead of just saying, let's take everything and throw it in there. But yeah. Yeah, each acquisition teaches a little more due diligence for the next oh, time, right? Absolutely. Just, yes. Yeah. And also new experiences each time because no two acquisitions are the same. That's for sure. No, man. I mean, yeah, we bought 40 call centers and I mean, some were some dude's house and some were, you know, <laughs> a 200 person operation with servers and everything. And I mean, they just, the business just needs one report. They don't care. They assume the data is the same. I mean, call center data is call center data, right? It doesn't. Yeah, really matter until, you know, some customer has some special thing that one company agreed to years ago. And now you've got to figure out how to standardize all that. And I think that's something everybody's doing in all industries. I didn't think about it so much in logistics. I just thought logistics has been around so long that it's just been standardized. But I guess it's never really been brought up. And I did, you know, I did a small contract at a logistics company where they had me write integrations to Shopify and shut down their AS400. They had a bunch of stuff running on AS400. They wanted moved over to like SSIS and SQL. And I mean, it wasn't hard for me, but I always thought that they were just these big mono, these organizations that were all data-driven and IT-driven for years. But I guess it's these older systems that are now needing to be updated or so Excel-based running. Yeah, I'd say, though, the industry in general has been kind of like a dinosaur when it comes to technology. And then over the last three oh. years, people are, maybe last four or five, people are starting to see the need for technology and how important it is to the industry. Um, you know, when I first started, IT was looked at like a cost center and they just expected stuff to run. And, you know, we were running servers in a closet and oh, man, yeah. <laughs> that was not, you know, climate controlled too well. And we were set up, um, you know, with tunnel connections from all the other offices um, in the U S and so if the server went down here, I was in big trouble. And But it's wow. like nobody wanted to spend to invest in better infrastructure for that. Um, but over the last five years or so, that, that mindset is changing in the industry. And then now, especially since the pandemic, it's really created that opportunity to really say, you know, if we don't have investments in technology, it's not going to drive the business further. We're not going to be able to provide to our customers what we need to provide them. And then you get into the whole employee thing with uh, hybrid work from home, all that type of setup. And you can't do that if you're all running desktop PCs from 12 years ago. So Right. What was that now, like being in the yeah. CIO position and saying, hey, uh, Aaron, we're gonna, we want everybody to work from home. I know we never really talked about this probably before, but yeah. Bliss. It was a quick move to hustle and do whatever you could to get everybody <laughs> remote and then kind of like 
you know, get equipment out there as quickly as you could. And you just had to be ready mm. because we had no like uh, disaster plan uh, of any yeah. sort at that point. So, but yeah, so the industry as a whole, it, it's come a long way. You know, now we have logistics tech conferences. There's all this emphasis on, you know, um, logistics technology in general. There's a lot of like venture capitalist funding that's going towards a lot of these um, a lot of these companies and solutions now. So there's actually stuff in the market to choose from. Um, and it's, you know, people are realizing now you have to invest if you're going to grow your business. So for me, that's good. It's created an opportunity and it also shows the importance of what we're doing. And, you know, so it's been nice because you're not having to beg for a few thousand dollars to upgrade some equipment or something. It's, you know, an expectation that everyone has running equipment, good platform to use, all that. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, no, I, we were a support team. And I mean, you nobody says anything good if you're doing a good job as a support team because the system's just running, right? Like nothing's going down. Right. You they don't have to give you money. Broken. Yeah. You only hear when it's broken. And you don't even want to hear when the support team needs money to keep it from not being broken in the future because it's not broken now. Surely you don't need that money. You could figure it out. And you turn that around by using data. And now to your point, you were viewed as a cost center. I got to think when you appeased the customers and they got quiet by just emplacing some sort of IT solution, that had to be a aha moment for the company of, you know, we need to be using data in a different way. How can we as business units or divisions or whatever use data different? Have you seen any of that kind of takeover at your company where people well, want to think- use it more? Yeah, I mean, it's it's growing within all of our operations teams that they're starting to see that it's going to make their job and their life easier if they better utilize the system, meaning better utilize the data uh, and, and all the tech tools that are out there. And then I will, will say, too, that I think especially over the last two years, um, you know, the IT team has been at the table with the business side of the house. And what I mean by that is, when we're in discussions, you know, technology is always part of the conversation. And so when we're out with customers or, um, you know, the, the business side of the company or operations, um, you know, we're always discussing technology and what we can do and how we can leverage it. So it's, that's like, um, you know, one of the core important factors for us right now. And so it's nice to see that because now it really is a piece of what we're doing every day with the business, which, yeah, definitely yeah. makes the customers happier. And, um, you know, so they'll do their customer visits or we'll do sales calls or just regular account checkups. And now typically either myself or someone from my team is involved in that to say, what can we do to leverage technology to help with your account, whether it's to make them the customer more efficient with some internal process that they have or just better, you know, a better way to serve service their account. And I, I'm going to totally pause on that. I love where you're going with that. Because a lot of times when I say I work in data or I work with data, they think they mean I have to work for a CIO or in an IT team. But a lot of times when I was in an IT team, I would have a cohort on this business side, either in marketing mm-hmm. or in accounting or in finance or in all those different divisions. There's opportunities for a person to become a data analyst in those towers. And I don't think people right. think of those as places to go, hey, if I pick up these data skills and a little bit about marketing, I could be a marketing analyst. Now I'm oversimplifying marketing analysts, you know, but it is possible for people. And I just don't think they think that. I think they think, oh, I can't get into data because I'm not a computer nerd. I don't want to sit in like clickety clack and IT all day. And I think um, that's interesting. What do you think about having a good business partner who's IT savvy and data savvy 
how does that change the conversations you're allowed to have and maybe the decisions you're allowed to make together, right? Like I bet it's really helped with things. I would love for you to share with some of that. Yeah. So, I mean, our, our president has really said that the emphasis is going to be if we're going growing the business, it's going to be through the use of technology and having a good um, good team and good company culture with our employees. So that helps a really lot, nice. doesn't it? Yeah. And um, he's he his big thing is leverage technology for for everything. And so it definitely, um, that level of support is super helpful. So that means anytime we have a conversation, like I said, IT is always part of it. And it's, and it's nice because in, you get a lot of companies where conversations will be had. And then after the fact, they make some decision. And then after the fact, they come to IT and they're like, we need this. But instead, if you're oh. part of that conversation, you can talk through exactly what you're looking for and start identifying what the potential solutions are instead of you're late to the party. And now you have to figure out what they were talking about. And it may not even be a realistic request, whereas this way you're all doing it together. So that type of culture here has been amazing. That's awesome. That really has to help the whole conversation. Was CIO of Janelle Corp always like the target or like, I know you mentioned uh, before we were recording a little bit that you have a degree that's not necessarily in data or business. What, uh, what, what drew you to the position you're in now? You know, so honestly, I started out after school, uh, after my undergrad, I was in the nonprofit sector doing fundraising and development and board development. And that's actually what I got my master's degree in. Um, so I kind of, that's what I was doing. And then I uh, had my first kid and there was the opportunity to get into IT. And I had done some like help desk stuff in the past, like part-time and all that. Um, and then having a dad who's been in IT forever, you know, is a good push with that too. And um, so I made the switch. And since then, I think it's really just wanting to, you know, grow in technology. And then I really love the logistics industry. So I knew I wanted to stay within logistics technology specifically. And it's just gotten more exciting over the last five years or so. And I don't think CIO was like my, you know, the goal or anything. I I really, I just wanted to continue to grow and be able to be a leader in technology in the industry. And a big thing too, is to try to have that, you know, be a female example so that there's, you know, other women can see that yes. there's somebody else that's doing this because there's a lot of women in tax. There's a lot of women in logistics tech, but still, I feel like there's not as many as there could be. And you can definitely go into a room in a conference and see that there's still uh, the numbers are still not equal. And I think there's, there's a lot out there for other women to be able to offer to the industry and, and give that diversity. And so I hope that um, I can help encourage that. Oh my God, you help encourage me and my wife because my wife's a VP of operations. And I tell her all the time, you got to look for other women who are doing it. And I refer you all the time because I, I didn't remember you getting a degree in business, but then now well, look at you. Over in IT running business. You got to love it, man. But I mean, who really knows what they want to do with their life when they're getting their undergrad, right? <laughs> and that's completely why I'm trying to start this class. Like, I don't care if people have a degree. Actually, one of our other guests, the one we talked to, uh, I think previous week to you, will uh, just graduated. He's an analyst. And he's like, so what does three to five years of experience really mean? And I'm totally yeah. going to, I want to put you on the spot for that. Like, how do I prepare somebody 
to one, be willing to take that interview on. Because a lot of these people are like, well, I just graduated. I don't have five years of experience. I'm just scared. When they would nail it, like they would knock it out of the park and be the candidate you probably want. They just are already stopped at that. And part of it, I told them, I was like, they want to know that you can show up and do what you need to do, that you're going to yeah. be able to call in sick appropriately and take vacation appropriately. You're going to communicate troubles you have. They're going to all these soft skills that I want to build, but I would love just, you know, fill in the real blanks that I'm sure I'm missing. So when, yeah, when we're hiring for position or that as an example, to me, it's more important about the person, um, their potential. And I think just because you don't, because we see all these, um, job listings and it's like they want 15 years experience and then they'll list off especially for tech right a million different things well no one's going to know no one's going to have worked at a place that has the whole same stack that you know they're expecting you to know but for me you want somebody that's going to fit in well with the company culture um you know just that person are they capable of learning and growing and participating and just having the skills to be able to learn, not necessarily the experience. And I think not, this isn't an analyst position, but um, the, my help desk person I most recently hired over the summer, um, no professional IT experience. And within three weeks of hiring him, the amount that he's absorbed and retained and is doing and it's absolutely incredible i mean he's amazing and it's it's fun to watch because he's excited about it and he's eager and he's a team player and he wants to do more and he wants to do well and you can't ask for much more than that so i would say even if you don't have the 15 years experience or whatever go for it i love that you say those things too man that he's eager and all those things because a lot of people just because they don't see it on the, you know, the job description, they're like, well, or, or maybe it's on every job description. I want a self-starter who can follow rules. And it's like, I don't know what that means. It's very hard to get what you want onto a piece of paper and then pass that paper to the internet. And then all of a sudden fill a role with the right kind of culture and fit and all that stuff. So I, I love that you're willing to encourage them. Cause I mean, it's worth applying. It's worth seeing what you yeah. go through. There's a whole nother chain I'm trying to start. If you do know anybody in, um, talent acquisition, I would love to talk about the process of, hey, I'm applying as an analyst. I think I fit the skill. Now what? So now my I go into brass ring and then or whatever your IT portal is, and it gets lost in whatever rules are there and maybe to the right person. But that's what I want to cover for people next is it's it's more than just, can I do it? You have to get over that. And then you have to get through, how do I do it well? But I think that that guy you just hired, that help desk person, I would say, is on a great path to be an analyst in a couple of years. You know what I mean? If they if he so chooses, right? Because you just apply for the job that seems like it fits your skill and work hard and ask your boss how to get better. You know, like some companies will take advantage of that. You got to be careful, but make sure sure you have that relationship with your boss. And I think you're okay. Yeah, I think here at Janelle Group, it's nice because, you know, if I see someone wanting to do more, I'm, I'm totally going to encourage them and I, I want to see them be successful and I want to see them grow within the organization. And the other thing that's important to me too, is like our whole IT team is making sure it's a, you know, a learning and sharing type environment just within our team too. So I'm never going to withhold any knowledge. Like if you ask me, I will show you how to do whatever I know how to do to, you know, help you grow your skill set. And then also, you know, it benefits the company too and all of us. So, yeah. I love that. 
So we talked a little bit about your history and how you got to where you're at now. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your day to day? Like what's a snapshot of a day for Aaron? Look like? <laughs> uh, so I'd say um, splitting it between you've got like your general IT side and then your application side of the house is kind of how I divvy things up here. And then like the bigger picture projects that are ongoing that I work on. So um managing the day to day with, you know, hardware, software, all that sort of fun stuff, troubleshooting. But, you know, I've got part of the team that that does a lot of that. But I also definitely roll up my sleeves and I'm handling help desk tickets as needed as well. So I don't shy right away there. from that. Um because if there's stuff going on, you know, if somebody's trying to move freight for a customer and they're having a problem with their email or their computer, I mean that's impacting the employee and the customer so that's a priority so step in where where is needed there and then the team's great too with it as well and then on the other side we have the application um side of the house the the biggest platform we use internally that i was talking about that runs on sql it's called CargoWise. it's one of the top in the logistics industry and so there's a lot that goes with that for the day-to-day whether it's like customizations or requests or just general user functionality issues and things like that. So, um, and we're continuing to build out in that platform, um, implement new modules and functionality and stuff like that. And then there's the bigger picture stuff, you know, I'm responsible to for cybersecurity. So that's something that I'm pushing out daily and we're growing with what we do in regards to training and awareness and everything else within the organization. Um, and then also big picture stuff would be, you know, policy development, documentation, um, and then keeping up with the trends in the industry specific to logistics tech, to, uh, tech, what's out there, um, what we should be looking at, um, what could be a potential solution. And that I do, you know, uh, collaboratively with our operations team. So the business side of the house. Um, so working regularly with the president and um, the two presidents and uh, CEO and everyone else to talk about what's out there and where we should be looking to go next with technology. And that's like an ongoing daily conversation, I feel like, just to, to keep up and stay afloat. But that's really that's like a very brief summary. There's probably a lot more in this thing. But yeah. I love that you hit on talking to those people, too, man, because I. A lot of people think, well, why is our data a mess? I mean, obviously, Aaron's in charge of data. Didn't she just buy a system and make it perfect? But a lot of times, <laughs> systems don't come from the CIO saying, this is the best system. It's safe. We won't have any problems. And we know it's good. It usually, Salesforce was one of those, man, that just always I was butt heads with because they would try to sell it to a sales team and then hand it over to the IT team and say, hey, here's how you really need to integrate it. But it's one of those that gets sold as, oh, you don't need any IT help. You can do it all yourself. We're just going to do the business process. And obviously, your salesperson may differ, right? And they're all different. I'm assuming your business uh, partner, your president there, is getting sold a similar software from that vendor. It says, hey, look at the new updates. Look at the new software. It can make you more efficient. It can make you more of that. But those are integration costs and update costs. Yeah. and yep. But there's costs to not doing it too, right? So you can't just ignore it and say, I'm going to... And I've seen CIOs do that too. I said, no, we're not going to make any purchases for the next five years. I just don't want to hear anything. And you know, I'm nervous for those companies. I'm glad you're staying a really yeah. good partner with your team. We're Yeah. I mean, we're looking at stuff daily and, and keeping up with it. And the other piece for us is that since we continue to grow through acquisitions, 
some of the stuff we're doing now, you know, is it going to scale to where we're going to be in three to five years? Um, granted, tech changes so fast, so some of those solutions may not be around anymore. But just generally speaking, whatever we have now, we have to figure out, can we scale um, with growth? I liked hearing that you you integrate with all of your your like sub teams too, talking to your tech, your your data people, your everybody else. You know, a lot of people think that when you get one of those C suite titles, you're not integrating with the rest of the team anymore. You know, you sit in a big chair in an office and just bark orders and expect things to no. get done. So <laughs> that's, it's uh, that's totally not the case. <laughs> well, Hollywood's been lying to us for a long time about it. So <laughs> I think she's just an exceptional leader and she gives that credit to the title. I don't know. I've seen CIOs once or twice that there was one at a big company I was went to, and this is, you know, years ago, he's since retired, but he would enter from a different door. Like he would have everybody sit at his desk and he would enter from a side door after they were already at his desk. And then he would hear what they had to say, but that was the only way to talk to him. And wow. I'm just so happy that you're just like, no, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and help people. Cause that's what you should do. I mean, it's just the right thing. It's just good to hear if people are actually doing it. Well, and I think I feel strongly like I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything either that I'm not going to do myself. So, yeah. and you know, it's important for me to know everybody at the company too. And, have whatever time I can with them. So I try also like when I visit all of our offices and everything else, I'm definitely not trying to hole up in an office or anything. I go and try to spend time with everyone and take advantage of, of having that in-person time. So yeah, it's important. And it, that just goes back to the culture thing though. So it totally. And honestly, a lot of times my contracts, that's what they have me do is because the CIO can't do that or won't do that or it's too much. And I got to go <laughs> gather from the people on the front end what's wrong with the system and just kind of bring back a suggestion that says, hey, if we update or whatever, you should be solving 80 percent of your problems or this is still going to be there. But I totally know what you're saying. It's I'm so glad you're out there doing that. Like good leadership. One of the other things we wanted to talk about since you've got some experience with, you know, hiring, looking at these, setting up job posting and stuff. Are you looking for people? that work with data? And if you were, what knowledge or tools would you expect them to have in order to come work for you? So right now we don't have any data positions posted, but I think with our growth at some point, we're going to have some of those roles within the team. And it's most likely to be like a hybrid between our operations and IT. Um, right now I'm just looking for an IT manager, but that's more hardware, software, not as much to the to the data piece. Although there, of course there'll be data involved, but not as a core responsibility. Um, you know, for me, I think logistics industry, it's cool when you can find somebody that has a little bit of logistics experience. So they understand what they're, what they're looking at when it comes to the data, but I wouldn't say rule that out. Right. And I think if, like this goes back to what I was saying before with the hiring. I think if you find the right person and they're able to learn whatever tools you're going to use, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't not hire someone because they don't know the tool that we're necessarily using, or they they may have recommendations on tools to bring in to make things better. So you you wouldn't want to rule that out either. Totally. I love that idea of keeping an open mind. A lot of times, you know, you also think applying for corporate is very all the systems are in place. Everything is done. Like you, you just follow the rules. You don't change things. You don't bring those sorts of suggestions. So it's really cool to know that you're open to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and 
you know, people applying for jobs are scared because they're like, well, I don't have cargo. Was it cargo wise? Was the company? Yeah, cargo wise. Yep. And they might see that and say, well, I'm not even going to apply because I don't know what that is. But in meanwhile, like they've been working in Excel, doing it at another company, doing very similar logistics right. data. You would love a person like that to at least throw their hat in the ring, right? Like, you know, so don't let yourself get hung up on. I don't have the specific skill that they say I need. And I, I've said this before, I, I think on the podcast, Aaron, somebody wanted me to have 10 years of Power BI experience. And I was like, well, I just have eight. And they're like, well, everybody else has 10. And I said, but <laughs> at least, you know, I'm not lying because it hasn't been around 10 years before that I was doing crystal reports and they're, they just got real quiet. And I was like, but, you know, recruiters are so busy talking to so many people. They're like, how do I differentiate these people? Oh, this guy's got eight years. This guy got 10 years. This one's yeah. obviously better. And so I don't get hung up on that stuff. I totally interview the same way you do. I loved hearing it come from you, though. That was nice. Yeah, well, we've been so I've been actively interviewing for our IT manager role right now. And um my big thing is like, I want somebody to come in and be comfortable with saying, Hey, I have all these suggestions or now I've kind of seen what's going on. And, you know, I want them to bring that to the table and tell me, like, I think these are three things that we could be doing better. And here's what we could use to do it. Because I, I don't want somebody to come in and just, you know, think of whatever Aaron got going on. That's the end all be all. So definitely want collaboration on all fronts. And I mean, those are positions people, you know, you might think a manager, if people are afraid of an analyst position, they may think manager, like, I don't have 10 years of experience, you know, but that could be like an analyst plus two years of experience. And now you're a manager, you know, because you've seen right. the system, you've learned the background, that same guy you just hired as a help desk person could eight years from now, be a manager or director or something. And that's what's crazy to think about is just to give yourself the shot. But it, it's also getting comfortable with the data and why and, you know, all those tough conversations, like you said, asking questions and talking to you about things. Yeah. How do you keep up with all of it? Like the the trends in the industry, the new software, the new ways of looking at things. Uh, how do you how do you spend your time making sure that you're prepared for whatever position is thrown at you? Yeah. So um, attending regular logistics tech conferences, staying in the know there, lots of networking, networking groups. When I um, first started in the industry, I got invited to participate in this local CargoWise group in the Chicagoland area, and so. Mm. That's been like, I think it's been going on for 10 years or so now. Uh, COVID kind of put a little wrench into that with getting together, but I still talk to all those people and that's huge because we're all at different um, logistics companies, but stay in contact with like the interest of, um, you know, sharing best practices and things like that and supporting one another. So that's been really good. And just, you know, staying active on LinkedIn and everything else, wherever you can get some of that information. And then also we just try to create really strong partnerships with a lot of our existing IT vendors, because then they have a good pulse on what's going on in the industry as well. And that, you know, it, those are good conversations because then you're getting recommendations from them of things that they've heard and seen. And then you can go that way too. Um, all of that. And then internally, I think it's just uh, staying as organized as you can. Um, taking advantage of whatever tools and technology is there to keep you, you know, organized and uh, lots of uh, to-do lists and task, task lists and all that sort of stuff and just uh, staying afloat and keeping the team afloat and prioritizing and being realistic with things too of, you know, setting deadlines that are attainable for myself and the team and, you know, just setting fair expectations all, all across the board. 
I love the idea of setting fair expectations and making sure that your goals are attainable. I, uh, I think it's another stereotype maybe of corporate that the goals, you know, it's always crunch culture. That's, that's all you ever hear about in corporate America is the goals are too short. The time isn't enough. People are working extra hours. They're, they're grinding, they're hustling. So it's really cool to know that you, you care a lot about everybody like growing together and being feeling like they're hitting their goals. They're getting those accomplishments that, that dopamine hit for lack of a better way to explain it. Yeah. So I worked at a company at one point where they had a salesperson that got assigned or promoted to the CEO seat Hmm. and didn't have a lot of experience when it came to like the uh, business side of the house realistically. And so I remember getting, uh, orders and direction of, I need this, you know, like now, and well, you can't really set up a customer integration in six hours. So, you know, um, and I, I remember going through that and having some tough Sunday mornings where I was like, how can I live my life like this when, Hell yes. when someone is, you know, on you for something and it's it, like, you want a PL report. Okay. That's fine. You need it at eight o'clock Sunday morning. I mean, and right. With Nobody's no going to die notice. from not having this report. Like, so a, you could just learn how to run it yourself, or b, <laughs> right. you literally could wait. And I just thought I never want to be that way, and I never want to put anybody that that I'm surrounded by, or is on my team, or even another team at the company. I don't want anybody to ever have to experience anything like that. So I definitely look at that and I reflect on it and go, you know, I want to be realistic in everything that I'm doing and just. Uh, try to be a good boss for my team. That's awesome. So is there any point in your career or even in your position now where you've dealt with imposter syndrome and do you have any recommendations for people for dealing with imposter syndrome? I feel like I always have. And then, you know, I, um, I think when I first came to Janelle group, my title was VP of innovation I was doing all, I was doing all customer facing stuff at that point. No pressure. And I, I think like I had a hard time putting it in my signature line. Cause I just kind of felt weird about it. Um, even now the CIO thing, it's, you know, I, I know that I work hard. Um, but I think that imposter syndrome can still hit you. Cause you still kind of think, you know, like, is there somebody more deserving or, you know, am I doing enough or am I doing the right things? Um, but and then the whole being a female in technology too, and a female in the logistics leadership role, which is there's becoming more, but still there's mm-hmm. still a lot of catching up to do to diversify. Um, so then you have that when you're sitting at a table with a bunch of guys. Um, so you know I'm getting better with it. I think that uh, just you know stay positive and and think about your accomplishments and what you've done to get there. And I um, I know that I've I've put in a lot of time and effort and I continue to do so because it's not like you hit a point and you're like, okay, I can stop working now. And I would not want to do that anyways, because if I'm not keeping busy, I'm bored out of my mind. So, and I like a good challenge, but yeah, so I think that that hits everybody a different way, but I think just kind of pushing through. It's really humbling to know that even in a position like CIO, that you are still dealing with that 
and that you're finding ways to push past that. It's uh, It's been the common answer across most of the episodes, and I, I'm pretty certain it'll be the common answer across all of them, that we're all dealing with it in some capacity or another. Um, I, I, I know I deal with it in my position. I mean, I know Rob and I have even had conversations building data lab and podcast lab and stuff about like, are we actually doing like a thing here? And first of all, and are we doing the right thing here? And so there's been a lot of that too, from like a business side. So it's been really interesting to just hear, like, just celebrate the wins. That was really good advice. And it's really, it's, it seems so easy, but I think a lot of people get lost in what aren't the wins. Yeah. And I think that you're always going to get people that there always still be a few people that have a negative comment about it or like, Oh, Oh, so you're that now or something about what you're doing. And I think it's just kind of like, let it go because they're saying it most likely because they've got something else going on and, you know, just be proud of what you're doing. I love that. It's wild to come back to that. That sounds like the advice my parents gave me while I was growing up. It's like, if somebody bullies you, it's probably because they're jealous. And I know you weren't talking specifically about bullying and jealousy, but it's the same thing. Like if somebody's trying to tear you down, it's probably yeah. because they're dealing with something else. Right. So, and it's, I think it's really important to remember that because, you know, we're, we're all, we're all on different paths, different journeys. And um, I, I think there's a lot to be happy for right now, but I think as you've mentioned with the pandemic and everything, there's a lot to be unhappy about right now as well. So it's but important to remember that we're all focusing humans. On the good, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Focus on the good because we're all humans. Like we're all dealing with a plethora of things. Right. And I know one thing you do that made you, uh, you know, I hope helps with the happy is your workout regimen is re- like insane. You are one of the most disciplined <laughs> workout people I know. And now your daughter is even working out with you, which is awesome. So you're like training that discipline into the family. I know your husband works out with you and you just ran your, was it your first marathon? Second. Second marathon. Yeah. So Te- that's freaking technically, awesome. Technically third. So I signed up for the you- Chicago Chicago Marathon in 2007, which was the year that it was unseasonably warm and they oh. ran out of water and they closed the course early. So I think at like um, 20-ish miles, they rerouted <laughs> us back to Grant Park. And so I thought someday I've got some business to finish. So yeah. last, last year, I put my name in the lottery and I got in and I was like, all right, I've got business out on this course and I finished. And then I was like, I'm never going to do that again. And then I signed up for this year and this year <laughs> beat my time from last year by a half hour, which was awesome. Um and That's so, amazing. yeah, so I did it because I d- was determined that I wanted to be able to say I've, I've done it before. And now you've beaten your time by half an hour. I, that's amazing. That, I, well done. Yeah. I don't like rolling out of bed in the morning. I can't even imagine, <laughs> imagine running a marathon. That's quite the accomplishment. That's another one of those wins to celebrate. I think. Yeah. Right. It's like you get to manufacture little wins by just you're winning for you. Like I know when you work out or when I work out, I feel like, man, I did something for my body today. Like, good job, body. Like I care about you a little today. And it, it is one of those wins that reminds you, you don't make horrible decisions, right? Like at some point I can make a good decision to work out and it's not going to be every day for you and I, Ryan, we're not, we're not going to run a marathon, my man, but that's okay. We can uh, work out a little bit more regularly too, right? So we can always get a little better at it. I think too that um, I think it helps you professionally and just with your every with your every day. You know, if you're 
exercising is obviously going to help you with your mind as well. And I think with a lot of what we're doing with sitting at a desk all day or sitting in meetings and everything else, it's nice to be able to move around and then, um, you know, kind of have that break uh, from from what's going on. So, yeah. I totally get you. I mean, like a lot of the stuff we do is just intangible. Like I could go write some amazing queries that move thousands of rows at night, but I don't see that necessarily. You know, the operations team is going to be super excited, but I can go build something in the wood shop or go for a walk and see like a duck with my wife. And I mean, that's tangible. I remember that. That's something that happened. Like we experienced it. It's, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, the dichotomy between what we do really hardcore in tech and what getting away from us allows us to do, you know, to kind of. Well, and then, you, then you can bring the tech into the fitness. So like I wear my wristband every day to know how well I'm sleeping, how hard I go in a workout at CrossFit. And then what my recovery looks like. So I love it. I'm getting all those metrics on here and onto an app. Now, um, how do you look at that? Do you just look at it on the app and kind of see what your day and your week and your month is? Yeah. And then they make recommendations and it tells you when you've had a bad night's sleep and, um, you know, what your recovery looks like. So you can see like, well, what did I do yesterday or how did I sleep and where I'm recovered percentage wise. Um, and then you can kind of see after a workout too, like how well you performed. So talking about data and moving it into real life too, right? Yeah. You track, you know, dude, I've been, you're, Ryan and I have been talking about like coming up with a thing that helps people plan meals that then make sure it's easy to pick what you want to eat, shop for it and have it delivered. And then it kind of fits in with your health macros. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not horrible for you necessarily because it's not extremely hard. I'm not saying HelloFresh, but stuff that you and your family could pick and want because we do think eating healthy is important. We do think yeah. that moving and working out is important. And, you know, building your mind in general is important. And I think to your point, the more you do those things, the more I feel less of an imposter and more real, because I know that those are what I have to do. I have to eat. I have to take care of my family and my, my mental health. And I have to yeah. better myself because the world's changing around me constantly. And so, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a good way to say that. Uh, well, thank you so much. This has been awesome. My gosh, like you even put up with all our nonsense for the first <laughs> 15, 20 minutes of no problem recording. I love that we had IT problems on the call with the one who's best with IT. That's perfect. Because I knew you wouldn't mind. You probably had to do this but for like large corporate meetings. Yeah. You ever a WebEx go out while the CEO is trying to do something and they probably look over at you like, like you can just snap your fingers. That was my right. favorite in IT. The ever the systems down, they would come to my desk and look at me and I'm like, it's rebooting. Like I could walk in circles if you want, but it's not, gonna, <laughs> it's not happening. Any it's faster. not going to turn on faster. Like it's right. just not like, but thank you so much for your patience. Love to ask you more about all the stuff that we were talking about today with like how to get people into these types of jobs and let them, you know, give a shot, but definitely check us out. Now, the one thing I do ask people is anybody who's been on the show, People who are listening to us may have questions for you. I'll send you a link to our Discord if you don't mind joining a Discord, if sure. they could just shoot questions and tag you, because then they know that as they listen to the podcast, they're building up their network of people that they can ask questions about. And yeah. we can start having a conversation somewhere and people can have these. Maybe we could answer questions other people have and document it so they can go get the answers. But Ryan, anything else did you want to say today that I forgot about? Uh, no, this was uh, a great interview. Like I said, it's really awesome to hear a different perspective. The last one that we did, we had the perspective of somebody looking to just break into the industry who okay. had just graduated. So having you as a CIO sort of established, talk about your day-to-day, -day, talk yep. about hiring, it was just really, it was really eye-opening to know that there are places out there where even entry level is okay as long as you've got that passion for whatever you're trying to do. 
And it's, I think it's really going to be exciting for our listeners as well. Um, one of the things we do like to do though here, Aaron, uh, at the end of every episode is give you a couple seconds to shout out basically anything you'd like, whether you want to send people to your LinkedIn, you've got a charity you want to support, anything you want to, you want to send people to any of our watchers. So, uh, go ahead and take the floor, put you on the spot here real quick. Is there anything you want to tell everybody or any place you want them to find you? Um, sure. I mean, everybody can find me on LinkedIn, Aaron O'Leary at Janelle Group. Um, that's the best way to contact me. And then you'll see a post there too. I mean, when I did the marathon this last weekend, I raised money for the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's <sighs> Research. So still accepting donations through December. Um, it's a great cause. Uh, my husband's grandfather had Parkinson's. So, you know, we... Um, you know, he experienced that. And so that's why we decided to choose that charity for the marathon this year. Um, they're definitely an awesome organization. That's all I've got. Well, thank you so much again for your time, Aaron. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Great choice for the charity, by the way. Thank you very much. There was a lot of other ones that were out there. People were asking for money. I was happy to throw it your way because I think that's a great oh, thank you. foundation. I looked at them and the way they spend money is great. And it's a, you know, something I'm terrified of <laughs> for my family history too. So, I mean, okay, good on you. Um, thank you again so much. Hope we can talk to you again later in the future. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for having me. We'll see you later.